Apple presents events at the Apple Store. All right, let's welcome this evening's guest moderator, Nigel Smith. Hi, everyone. I'm really excited for this panel. It's about an awesome film called Grandma that I was lucky enough to catch at the Sundance Film Festival earlier this year, and it premieres again at the Tribeca Film Festival shortly. Uh, so please welcome to the stage the writer and director of the film, Paul Weitz. And we're also lucky enough to have the star of the film, the legendary Lily Tomlin. And Lily's main co-star in the film, Julia Garner. And last but not least, we have one of our co-stars in the film, Laverne Cox. Uh, Hi, everyone. How are you all doing? Good. Lovely. Do you still get nervous about premieres? I mean, you've had countless festival premieres over the course of your career. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, one gets, usually it's quite fun. I mean, sometimes <laughs> they're like roller coasters where you wish you could get off in the middle. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, they're, they're, they're quite fun. And I've, I've now seen it at Sundance and also at a big theater in Salt Lake City, um, which uh, was interesting. You know, where it got a pretty rapturous response. Um, yeah. It and got, I picked it got up a, from Sony. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that was really cool. Yeah, so since there's obviously no trailer cut for the film because it's not coming out until later this year, um, I, why don't you uh, describe the plot since you did write the screenplay? Sure. Uh, okay. Um, Lily, uh, who's uh, inspired the role because I got to uh, work with her on a film called Admission, um, and I had such a great time uh, talking with her and hanging out with her uh, that it, um, it made this idea click for me. Uh, she plays a woman named Elle Reed, uh, who is a poet, uh, who uh, finds herself broke. She's, uh, she is, in the beginning of the movie, um, breaking up with slash being broken up with uh, a woman uh, played by Judy Greer. Um, and then as her day proceeds, her granddaughter, uh, Julia, uh, playing Sage, shows up and tells her that uh, she needs $630 because she has uh, scheduled at the end of the day uh, an abortion. She's pregnant and has made the decision that she wants to have an abortion. And um, and then basically, uh, L, uh, Lily's character takes her around over the course of the day, um, and uh, kind of teaches her how to stick up for herself, essentially. And you'll be showing a clip where yeah. that becomes apparent. Um, and uh, among the sort of big figures from. Uh, from Elle's past, who she sees is a woman named Dethy, um, played by Laverne, uh, who is a tattoo artist, um, and uh, and is uh, that's a really nice part of the movie because it's sort of it's one of the only times you see somebody who Elle has no real contention with because um, Elle uh, tells people like it is and tells them to go screw themselves when yeah. they need to be told that. So. <laughs> now, Laverne, you play a very credible tattoo artist. Do you have any experience <laughs> in you. the trade or? <laughs> Did you go in totally green? I don't have any tattoos, okay. and um, I have no plans to get any. But um, it was fun. I was I when I um, when Paul approached me. Thank you for so, so much for um, inviting me to be part of this amazing film. Um, when he approached me, I was I thought it would be really cool. And there's a, a woman I used to work with, and I told her this. Her name is Lila um, Lansing. I worked with her at Lucky Chang's, and she has all of these tattoos. She has tattoos like everywhere, and she has this sort of rockabilly look. And I was like, it would be really cool if Deathy had that kind of look. And yeah. So we, um, Paul and I talked, and we, um, we I actually sent Paul pictures of um, Lila, and we came up with this really fun look. So I had so much fun, like 
you know, working with Aunt Paul and, and hair and makeup um, to come up with Deathy's look and getting the fake tattoos. And I watched, I wanted to visit a tattoo parlor, but I just, I was really, I was traveling a lot at the time. So I watched YouTube videos to see how like, you know, tattoo artists like do the whole thing. Cause it, it, yeah. everything's on YouTube, <laughs> which is amazing. So yeah, that was sort of my, most of my research was YouTube and I talked to some people who have tats, mm -hmm. so. I wish yeah. we had a still to show of you cause you do look so awesome. Yeah, <laughs> in the film. Big spider web yeah. <laughs> going down her neck. How long that did those tattoos idea. take to apply? I, I'm guessing the, a while. The fake tattoos we did, we we allotted probably like four hours for everything. Okay. Um, they were pretty quick. The hair, the um, um, makeup team was pretty awesome and pretty on it. I'm not entirely sure what the, they put some sort of thingy on my hand. Yeah. I don't know how they did it. Um, but it's pretty quick. Movie magic. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Lily, you're so fantastic in this film, oh, yes. and it's just such a joy to see you in a role totally deserving of your talents in a fantastic film that you all should see. Um, thank you, Paul, for writing this role. Man, um, thank you. Lily, did you know we had this in the works, or did no, he kind of come I didn't. to you we when it was admission. all done? We did admission, and then uh, and we promoted that and did all that business. And then he called me later and said he he said he has an he wants to tell me an idea he has. And uh, we got together and and he was writing. He was in the middle of writing. I'd it already finished writing it. I was worried oh. if you didn't like it, I would stop. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say. <laughs> oh. You would say, okay. Well, anyway, so it was a blessing. If you ever, if you want to know how to spoil someone's appetite, it's take them to lunch and then tell them you've written a script for them <laughs> and say, can I hand it to you? Yeah, and then have them turn it down, right? Um, so, so what did you make of the character when he first read it? Well, I thought it was a, it was, it was a terrific role for me. Um, and I was grateful for it. I thought it was, it was interesting, it was edgy, it was for someone my age, it was it was just a gift, you know. I was delighted. Yeah. And I'd already worked with him, so <laughs> I knew, knew I was only mildly insane. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I knew he was uh, talented. I was lucky enough to interview at Sundance following actually before the premiere of the film there. And you told me that you drove your own car and wore your own clothes on set. So that makes me want to know how much of you is in this character? Well, the circumstances aren't so comparable. I mean, uh, except that it was my car and it was my clothes. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I don't live in the hills like in a craftsman house. And <laughs> I... Uh, I didn't. I uh, didn't. I don't have any children, so I don't have a daughter and a granddaughter. Yeah. And uh, I think I think the 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 meat was there. The essence of the character. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I and I could project myself into uh, people like that. I must have girlfriends like that. Mm -hmm. And I've always wanted to be a poet. Oh really? <laughs> well, it was very funny because as we were talking about the movie. Uh, Lily's character uh, expresses uh, her anger at people sometimes in the movie. And Lily said to me, I just don't understand why this character is, is getting angry in this situation. Um, and uh, uh, so we actually went through and uh, in each situation figured out what was sort of pressing the character's buttons. And the lucky thing was that I was able to sit with Lily for months leading up to, uh, you know, leading up to, to filming. Yeah. Wow. Did you find Julia um, as early on in the process? Yeah, really early. She was just such a blessing. Look at her. She's so beautiful. 
has such beautiful skin, <laughs> beautiful blonde curly hair. It was just like it was glorious. Well, well you knew you I, knew her already. Well, uh, Paul and I met um, in like Novemberish. We had a meeting about a different project. I no no we did no that's right. I met you for this, and then in April. Yeah, we the, had a meeting. Our first meeting was. Uh, Incredibly inopportune because uh, wasn't it was in the cafe the seventeen the eighteen seventy six cafe? I don't even remember, but we anyway. ended up having a meeting at the park. Yeah, well, I asked her to meet me at this cafe. I asked her to meet me at this cafe, and I'm sitting there and sitting there, and I'm like, oh god, and I, I can't believe like she's blowing me off. Yeah. <laughs> like she was a good forty five minutes off. late, and finally I called. I got a hold of her manager's number, and I called her, and she said, Julia's just called me because she's been waiting for you for 45 minutes at this cafe. <laughs> oh, wow. Anyway, there's two cafes with the same name in Tribeca. Like a block um, away. Wow. Oh, I, I, I've done the same thing. Tribeca. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think I know which cafe you're talking it's about. It's the one on Cafe, yeah. like, 60-something. Yeah, two or on the same street on Lafayette, yeah, so, right? Yeah, so, but we had a great meeting, and, and I loved the script, and yeah. I, I've been a huge fan of Paul's. Um, before I knew about this film, like, I've known about almost all of his films, I've been a fan of his even before I, I acted, mm -hmm. so it, it, I was honored to, you know, to, to work with Paul and with Lily, and, and um, yeah, so it was great. Yeah. Now, you've appeared in a slew of indies despite your young age, and you've appeared in, you know, a couple studio films, including the last, um, Sin City, A Dame to Kill For, but still, I mean, were you nervous as hell to work alongside someone like Lily for most of your scenes in this film? Um, no, she's No, I too. wasn't. I mean... Of course, like I, I you know, I, I want to do a good job for yeah. every movie that I'm doing, but no, because Lily is the sweetest person. Laverne's the sweetest, but you know, everyone. Can I? Can I? What? Can I say though? I think it's important for me. I think it's important to note that sometimes when people are legends, are living legends like Lily Tomlin, <laughs> there's a, there's. I was living nervous legend. going yeah. into meeting this living legend, yes. and for you to be so delightful and yeah. so generous and so fun and so down to earth and human, it's like, it's it's just. It's just what you dream about when you get to when you think about meeting someone like like Lily. So that well, don't forget to hold on to those values. <laughs> and plus, I I was gonna have Lily as my grandma. I mean, come on, that's it's it's great, and um, she's you're just so good in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like, know. It's like she's so good in this movie. Oscar nomination, please. Yes, okay, yes. Okay. Oscar nod, please. Um, for Lily. but it was it was great. It really was. Well, let's get a taste for Lily and Julia's performance in the uh, upcoming clip that also features Nat Wolf. Yeah, who was yeah. a really, really yeah, funny Natty. scene in the film. With and Nat was an admission. Yeah, yeah. So, an admission. I love that I've movie. I've worked with admission. before. Yeah, I, love I do movie. too. Yeah. This scene, oh my God, this one, so good. <laughs> You're gonna have to get the money, Cam. Well, who is this? My grandma. Half. Give us half the money. Yo, Grandma, what you, what you doing here? You know you're gonna have to take responsibility for this, too. How do I know it was me? What? You heard me? I didn't sleep with anyone else. Just up with Mike? Yeah, like a year ago, and we used a condom. Yeah, why didn't you use a condom? Or for humanity's sake, get a vasectomy. What, what did she just say? She didn't say anything, okay? Look, she said it wasn't her time. Oh, yeah. Her time? What are you, a moron? What are you, both morons? Don't they teach kids sex ed anymore? Listen, Grammy, you better watch yourself. Look at this sorry-ass loser. Some people should not grow beards. Your face looks like an armpit. Grandma, I'm serious. Don't fuck with me. 
So on top of featuring you lovely ladies, the film also stars Judy Greer, as we Judy mentioned. Judy Greer, yeah. And the awesome Marsha Gay Harden Marcia as your Gay. daughter oh, and your God, mother. We, everybody in the movie, yeah. John Cho's in the movie. It's just, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the reason that's I brought a those to Paul. to Paul, yeah. Well, the reason I brought those two actors up specifically is because one of the reasons I was just so blown away by the film is because it really does feature a primarily all-female cast, and it really passes the Bechdel test with flying colors because they don't really discuss men. You know, they discuss their own lives and their own hardships, and it's just so refreshing to see that on screen. And I was surprised to learn after that a man had wrote the screenplay. Um. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, uh, no, um, I'm glad. I mean, honestly, uh, to me, uh, a little pretentious. Um, and the man who so. wrote American Pie. <laughs> well, I directed it. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. I know. Um, oh, very similar film. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, no, but my big hero uh, when I started writing was uh, Chekhov, who wrote these also female-dominated uh, plays, which you couldn't quite tell if they were comedies or dramas. So. Yeah. Well, how did, you must have all just been over the moon when you first came across the screenplay to see that in a film. I mean, it's so rare in Hollywood nowadays to see films where females really do get to take center stage. Can you talk about the appeal of that aspect of the well, production? <clears throat> well, to me as an actress, it was, uh, it's everything I said before. It's like a gift, uh, you know, and then to have, to have everything borne out in the other roles, the other female roles is just so great. And the way... The, the issues are handled and thought through, and they're and it's it's a it's a fairly serious heavyweight movie, and yet it's done with such a touch, uh, and our humor, and uh, it's and we did it in 19 days. Mm -hmm. It's it's kind of a miraculous thing when it all happens, and after we finish it, we have no idea if it's gonna even get see the breath of life. We we just hope it is. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so it's, it's very encouraging. It's like uh, when, uh, <clears throat> you know, when um, Ruth Gordon got the Oscar. You remember when she, you know, it's so many years ago, but she, she's like went up to the, to the mic, you know, and she says, I can't tell you how encouraging a thing like this can be. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like in her 70s or something like that. Yeah. Well, one, of the, one of the things I love about it is too, is that the, the feminist text, that I think this is Simone de Beauvoir's books, you know, that you're wanting, trying to sell your Simone yeah, de Beauvoir, that, there's, that these, these feminist texts are like, ideally would like to have some, think they have some value. I love like little things like that, that is, it, it is I feel like it's a, a very pro-feminist film in, in a very sort of overt way and that's really exciting um, for me yeah yeah you, I mean, sorry no no please go uh, no I mean that was part of what was exciting to me was the idea of a, a character played by Lily who is both more hardcore than her granddaughter and has been through different um, eras of feminist history yeah um, who has seen in a way how bad things uh, were and how bad they can get again uh, for women um, and who's trying to give her daughter, who's at the same time as her daughter is dragging her out of her uh, misanthropy and her self-protectedness, uh, she's trying to show her daughter uh, how to have a backbone. Yeah. What do you each have to say about the fact that Hollywood doesn't produce a lot of films like this, that this is a rarity, kind of diamond in the rough, if you will? Well, it, they, don't, they don't see a market for it, and there may not be a, a blockbuster market for it, uh, but. The more, the more that are made, the more opportunity there is for that to happen, for the audience to aggregate and collect. Yeah. And uh, 
who knows? What if this is like the highest-grossing movie of the year? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I come from a show. I, I, I'm going to show a little a Netflix show called Orange Is the New Black that that is written by. Thank. It has. Thank you. There's a lot of women in the writers' room. Yeah. That is a show that's very much about women and women's stories. And I, and from all, it seems like it's a, a pretty successful show that a lot of people seem to love. And so I think that that sort of idea that like pe audiences don't want to hear women's stories is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but told in ways that are real and and complicated and nuanced and human. And I, th I think there's a lot of that in this film, Grandma. And as, that, as the generations evolve, I mean, there yeah. are more, uh, there are fewer old-timey guys, you know, even young old-timey guys, they mm -hmm. they get squandered, put away, I mean, they get put away after a while, uh, but it takes time. Uh, believe me, I can tell you it takes time. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting year this year, even in terms of Hollywood, because uh, three of the biggest blockbusters were female-driven, um, very Games. different, yeah, Hunger Games, Say what you think of it. Uh, uh, the uh, Shades of Grey, Fifty Shades of Grey. Yep. Um, Directed and, by a woman. Yeah. Um, so I do think that maybe economics will change. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully. Um, so about Sundance, I want to know what Lily's experience was like. That was your first uh, time there, yeah, correct? Yeah, my first time, wow. right. And, I, and Jane Fonda and I went. Yeah. You uh, did a talk together. Yeah, we did. Uh, but we were like just like... Um, you know, two geese with our satchels and our things and running <laughs> around. And, and Jane had very carefully selected all the movies she was going to see. Aww. And by the time we got there, she had changed the whole thing. <laughs> and, uh, and then I would grab tickets from someplace and, and we'd hear something. We'd hear about another movie that was available and we'd switch in midstream and go get those tickets. And, yeah. and we went to, uh, God, see, I can't think of all those places, like that restaurant where they make their own whiskey. Oh, I've never been. Which, you know, you know, which you know? one? I don't know what it's called. I've forgotten. But okay. oh, we hang out there. We're knocking back the shots, <laughs> and and people would come around, you know, and they'd say, "Hey, so great!" And we'd be drinking, and oh, we just we had a ball. We really did. That's awesome. Did you get any pointers from Julia? Because Julia, how many times have you been to Sundance? Probably four uh, now, right? Uh, uh, Grandma, it was my third time. Third wow. time. So you're a little I, the, bad. So, you know, the, the first time that I was, like, my first film festival was Sundance. Wow. It's Martha Marcy May, Mar Martha Marcy May Marlene. Mm. Um, Great and, film. Uh, and that was my first film that I've ever shot. That was my first movie that I've ever done. Wow. Um, so Not I was bad. six, yeah, I was 16 <laughs> when I first went to Sundance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my God. <laughs> Only a couple years younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it's... I love Sundance. It's it's a great festival, and you know, and Tribeca is great too. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's my first time at Tribeca. It's oh, my it first is? time at Tribeca, and I'm oh, from wow. New York City, so this is like special for me, you know. Is it your first time as well? I um, I was at Sundance a couple of years ago. I just I didn't have a film. So this is the first film I've been in that's been at Sundance. But I spoke on a panel a few years ago yeah. at Sundance about trans representation in, um, on film, and then I've I had a short film at Tribeca couple different short films I've been in at Tribeca. Um, this is the first feature. Wonderful. Welcome back. Yeah. Well, you know, the reason I uh, chose not to show up at the festivals is as, as avant-garde as they're supposed to be, there was just never enough feminist product. Mm -hmm. It went against my grain. You're yeah. 
or I or I I uh, so ignorant that I thought it did. Mm -hmm. Did you hear the fact about that this Tribeca Film Festival has more female filmmaker fronted efforts than ever before? The percentage is pretty staggering. Yeah, that's what ha high. that was true at Sundance yeah. too. Mm. So Wonderful. see, the tide is already sort of tipped. That's fantastic. That's great. So we're gonna open it up. Numbers. I know. <laughs> I can do it. <laughs> I need a break. Uh, we're going to open it up to the audience, so if you have a question, please raise your hand, and there's mics on either end. Hi, how are you? Thank you so much for coming. Okay, my question. You make people so laugh and happy, always. So, in real life, you, are you really funny person? Then, uh, Am I a yeah, then, person? Yeah, then uh, who was your favorite coaster? Because I loved you and Steve Martin in all of me. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I love all of me, too. And, uh, and I, I love Steve. I, I feel very maternal towards Steve. And at the time, uh, he was not married. Uh, and I, and he, was, he, was gonna, he married his co-star eventually, but uh, now he's very, very happily married. He has a baby and all that stuff. And uh, I just, I've always, I could, I've always sensed that, uh, like a little core of loneliness, you know. Just, uh, he's a smart guy, he's very, he's not on. And I always kind of gravitated to him to, to um, nurture him, I guess. Am I funny? <laughs> She's funny. She's funny. She's, funny. She's very really funny. She's hilarious. Yes. <laughs> but I love that movie. And I almost didn't do that movie because uh, they had done a Man with Two Brains before. And I thought that was just uh, terribly sexist, you know. Because, well, this was a long time ago, and I, I was much more uh, adamant in my views. So he would, because, you know, he could keep the body alive, kill her brain by injecting that, the girl with the really great figure within Windex. And then he was gonna have Sissy Spacek's brain put in that body. <laughs> And I, and I would be so offended because when, he, when she catches him like with the needle in his hand, you know, and she says, she turns around and she says, uh, he says, oh, he starts to confess, he feels so guilty. He says, I was gonna like inject you with Windex and it was gonna kill your, your brain, but preserve your body. And, and, wow. and she'd been saying, I don't mind. <laughs> that was like her re rejoinder to everything. So she just stands, she says, I don't mind. Oh, and that just, Turn me the. <laughs> no, I'm saying. I'm so saying see, it is. I'm being sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. That's a confession. I hope Steve doesn't see this. <laughs> uh, this is for Lily. I was at your Westbury show. Oh so my God. The, okay. <laughs> the matinee. Um, I'm just wondering, uh, just kind of, just about you a little bit. Some of the comedians, comedians, comedians that, and and figures in general that really made you want to do what you do and influence you the most growing up in Detroit? So what did you say about it? Well, who, the people that made you... Oh, who, uh, who was I influenced influence by? You, that inspired oh. you the most uh, as a kid growing up in Detroit? Oh, God, I was influenced by all the women who were on television. You know, I, uh, Jean Carroll, who was on Ed Sullivan, who was the first woman I ever saw doing jokes, husband jokes, and I, would, I was eight or ten years old, and I'd put on shows on the back porch, and I'd do husband jokes. Mm -hmm. Like uh, she'd say, she had a very breezy style, if you've never known her. She died a few years ago. She was 99. She was still very attractive. She had uh, uh, 
And she'd say, I'll never forget the first time I saw my husband standing on a hill, his hair blowing in the breeze, and he too proud to run after it. <laughs> and I thought that was like just hilarious. And my mother would watch her and she, uh, I knew there was something subversive about her. And this was in the late 40s, early 50s. Uh, but she always told husband jokes and kid jokes. And, uh, and it was just, my mother would just laugh with such abandon that I, uh, and I was a kid, just a little kid watching it with her, but I just loved it and I loved there was something underneath it that I couldn't quite put my finger on. And then Joan Davis and Ann Southern and Imogene Coca, Lucy, uh, there, there were just so many women who had television shows and I just loved all of them, you know, for different reasons. And, I, and Gracie Allen. It was uh, uh, B. Lilly. I'd see B. Lilly on Ed Sullivan. And I would throw pearls around my neck like she did, and I'd have to make a pillbox out of a, you know, like a piece of cardboard and flex my muscles and be very proper and then break the, <clears throat> break the image. I had a lot to, I had a lot to go on. Well, um, I'm going to ask the improvisation question about the experience of improvisation on the set. And I imagine, Lily, you know, you've got a lot of young actors or actors from a different experience. So were you, uh, were you leading the way or how was there an inspired moments where there was improvisation or did you uh, only, lockstep follow that script? Maybe only in the cursing. We maybe improvised in the cursing. I don't, I, we didn't improvise very much. Not at all, did we? No. The script was very spare and very on the point. Uh, and you didn't, it didn't leave room for a lot of riffing or carrying on. It was, uh, it was very specifically written. Well, that's interesting because um, even, when, even when there's not necessarily a lot of uh, improvs in terms of lines, you end up with a lot of emotional improvisation. Like there was a scene between Lily and Sam oh. Elliott um, that s started to go in a very different direction emotionally from where I thought it was going to go. So we'd actually rehearsed it and read through it and none of this stuff had necessarily bubbled up in the rehearsal, but Lily started to go someplace and then Sam started to go someplace. That's actually, as a director, what's it's really exciting is, is when there's so things good. happening. It is yeah, and, we didn't uh, even mention stunning. Sam being yeah, in the movie. Um, stunning. Um, and uh, so that's, that's really exciting when, when, there's, when the actors are doing things. Well, that, because there's something at the heart of the script, at the, at the heart, the, in the heart of the roles that just, it opens you to whatever you want to, whatever's going to come out, you know. And Lily used her own uh, car in the movie, and uh, there was a point <laughs> where she's kind of saying goodbye to the car, <laughs> which uh, got kind of emotional that I, I wasn't oh, anticipating yeah, that was, was going to be interesting. That was a good scene, too. Uh, and I almost, uh, I, 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 was, I drove it as a camera car for a minute. <laughs> yeah. That was unfortunate. <laughs> well, it's a... I sliced the top off of a... Not my fault, Not it was the guys head. who parked, he backed his car into a parking place at the last minute. That's my story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sticking to it. Yeah. Lily's car, you have to start braking about half a mile before you want the car to stop. <laughs> Hi, this is for Laverne Cox. Um, I just want to say that you're a complete inspiration and I am so grateful for all that you are and all that you do and um, I just wonder what you're, you, you encourage me to be more brave and more honest in my life and what gives you courage to do what you do? Thank you. This is very sweet. Aw, my goodness. Oh, I, 
I, I love acting so much, and I, I'm so grateful that I get to do work like this uh, with, with amazing um, actors and directors and, and writers. Uh, I, get, I am inspired because I love the work, and I, there's, there's people, I mean, there's artists who I look to, and I think I look at, Le I'm, we were actually, I was talking to, about opera with Paul earlier, but my idol is an, is an opera singer named Leontine Price, and she's, she's in her 70s now, if not older, and she was, she was a black opera singer in, in the 50s and 60s. She sort of came onto the international opera scene, and at the time, black, you know, black folks were in a you know, precarious position all over the world, particularly here in the States. And she was so good at what she did as a singer that she transcended race. That there was something so amazing about her artistically that, that it was just this voice and this artistry was so incredible. And the way that she conducted her career was such an example of how to always put the art first and to um, let that speak for you. Obviously, I, I, you know, I, do a lot of other things besides act. But I, she's such an inspiration to me when I think about how do I want to go forward in, in this world as an artist and as a person who often speaks out about things that are important to me. And um, I think it has to be about the work. It has to be about um, what you contribute and hopefully what you have to say. And um, so she's a huge inspiration and then I, I just, I'd, I'd like to, when I think about a legacy, I, I couldn't help but think when um, Lily talked about not having children, and I think that decision for women is so, it's like, for me, I'm, I don't want to have children either. I've, relationships have ended because I don't want to have children. Um, and I think that decision for women is, I, lo I love when women make that decision personally, because I mean, there's different legacies, and, I, and I, I would like to think my legacy will be in my work, and, which is very highfalutin and grandiose. And so, I think about those folks um, who's, who, have, who have those legacies in, the, in their work. Well, I have to, I have to say a tell about seeing Leontine Price at the Grammys in the 70s. Oh, my goodness. Did she and, sing? Oh, my God. That she came out cold and opened the show when there was room at the Grammys for someone like Leontine Price. Yeah. She opened her mouth and sang a cappella, and it was like I, I just burst into weeping tears. It was so divine. It was, it was over. It was, it was just beyond. And in the seventies, her the spin in her voice was sickening. My brother and I were talking about like in the nineteen seventies, that decade. Her voice just spun. We're going off. <laughs> her voice just had this spin that was insane and crazy. And she would just stand there, and the and the voice would come out of her, and it was just, it just transcended. It, it was godly. It, yeah, God, God. Hey, Lily, I was wondering what it was like working with Art Carney in the late show. Was it the late, late show? It was the late show. If, they, if it was late, late show, I, we would sue those guys with that TV show. No. It was the late show, and, and uh, being with Art was a great experience for me, too, because uh, I loved him as Ed Norton, and, uh, and he's a wonderful actor. And, um, and I was supposed to be a kind of fringy Hollywood type, you know, who did all kinds of little slightly questionable things like run drugs or with and look the other way or and he was a total opposite from someone like Steve Martin. Steve is not on at all and he'd be playing cards with the crew between scenes and and Art would like play the piano and he like kind of had to he just kind of had to be a part of currying the crew's favor in a way. He was he was like kind of a like how you might think of an old timer who, 
who, uh, and I don't mean that in any pejorative sense, but like somebody who's been around, for, it'd be like me, like, uh, like if I'm grandmother, if I'd be going like, you know, how are you today, Laverne? <laughs> 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 I, that reminds me when I, when I, I, so I feel so blessed that I got to do Fashion Police for Joan Rivers before she passed last oh. year. And during the commercials, and even before we went on, she would do stand-up for the audience that was there. I was like, this woman's working really hard, and she just needed that that, that kind of interaction. Like, yeah. All, all, but it's all a, but it's also a good thing to do when you have a show. If you can do stand up, you keep the audience revved up, and yeah, yeah and that would be Joan. She would. I I mean I count myself very lucky too because I worked at the upstairs at the downstairs, here in New York in the fifty in the fifty seventh Street or whatever it was, fifty mm fifth -hmm. Street. And Joan would be downstairs doing her act, and I was upstairs in the review. Wow. Uh, Madeline Kahn and Dixie Carter and I were the three girls in the show. Oh my gosh. Madeline got me the job. Wow. And I would creep down between when I wasn't on stage, and I would crack the downstairs door to the room where Joan would be working. And I would just crack up. You know, she just, she was so outrageously funny. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And we, we, we became for decades for friends, you know. It's like I, I'm an old actress sitting up here talking about all the pe people I, <laughs> people I know. And we're living for it. I'm and I knew Walter it. Brennan. We I used to date. <laughs> yeah, this question is for Paul. I was curious, how often do you write for specific people that you know, and how does that help you with writing? Um, I, I, in certain cases, I, I, I do, I, it's, it helps a tremendous amount if you can hear that person's voice in the character. Um, and then you have to face the fact that they might not want to do it. <laughs> um, uh, oh, so, wouldn't I have been stupid? Uh, um, so I, I do use people's voices, and at the same time then, once I have it, I try to detach, and, and then I try whatever I can to get them to do it, you know, um, whatever psychological... Um, tactics I can use. <laughs> um, uh, and then, but then if they genuinely don't want to do it, I, at some point you have to say, I can't be a stalker. I can't be like standing outside their office every day. And you have to start to lie to yourself and say, oh, maybe they wouldn't have been that good anyway. Um, <laughs> they must know something I don't. <laughs> uh, but and then you move on. And that's happened with me as well. Um, and I, I genuinely then have uh, been happy in a couple of cases. Uh, not not to get that person, but with, with who I did get. I have a friend who's a well-known writer in Hollywood, and I, a few years ago, I don't know anything about it, I asked him, I said, well, doesn't it really kill you when you do a great script and you write one thing wonderful, and then you take it to the studio and actors come in and it's ruined, and it's nothing like what you started with? And he said, you know, you have to remember that it's a collaborative effort. And it was just so wise and so open. I wonder if you would all comment on that. Uh, well, David Mamet had a very scatological version of that, <laughs> which was, he said, film is a collaborative medium, bend over. Um, <laughs> that was before he started to direct. I mean, that, I think, is, look, Billy Wilder uh, began directing because he'd written a script and a director, he'd written a, a script with a speech for a cockroach in it. And, uh, no, a, a man is talking to a cockroach, and the director didn't understand what the hell <laughs> he put that in the script for and was doing all sorts of ways of doing it, and Wilder felt, oh, he's just talking to the cockroach, <laughs> as one does. And, and so he, he started to direct to kind of 
be able to do his version of his words. And I think a lot of people get to that point. That's a lovely attitude your friend has. I wish I could uh, cultivate that more myself. Um, but the joy as a writer-director is collaborating with the actors. And for me, one of the reasons I like directing stuff that I wrote is I can throw it out the window if it's not working. I don't have to worry about what the poor writer's thinking if, you know, if I cut this speech yeah. in half because it doesn't sound right. And, and it is this weird thing where you're trying for spontaneity in the moment as the camera's rolling. And if you're very rigid, unless you're as talented as like Hitchcock or one of the great stylists that we have now, I think your film's gonna be the worst for it. Have you had people come up and say, I didn't write that that way upon occasion? No, I, I mean, what I, the collaborative process though for me, what, that, I love that, I love that about, I love going, you know, preparing and having an idea about maybe where the scene would go or, and then, and then the other actor, I'm in the scene with another actor and they do something and I'm like, oh, and something happens that I didn't anticipate in the moment or the director says something to me. And that, that's, that's what I live for. I mean, I think, you, I think in this business, you have to be into collaboration or you're screwed unless you are a director and you're in charge, <laughs> you know? But it's even with the DP and with like, I don't, I don't direct, so I don't know, but it's just, it feels like that you have to feed on that, right, what, ladies? Well, I've worked with both both kinds of directors. Uh, <laughs> you know, some who are very rigid, and television too. I've worked with more producer director types. They they can get very rigid. Uh, pr pr producer writer types, they get they ignore the director. They kick the director to the curb, and they really are imposing their the way they hear the line. Uh, I, there's a couple of people who will give you line readings. You know, and I've seen actors go off on them because they get tired of having every line interpreted for them. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, people like you or like Altman or whoever, uh, they just, uh, you may feel differently, I'm not sure, but you don't leave that much the need for it. Uh, uh, it just seems okay. Uh, I mean, if I would improvise with, with Altman, I would do it at the top of the scene where I knew he could lop it off. Mm -hmm. You know, like what I would do with like Meryl and Prairie Home Companion. And I mean, we would always start off the scene with a little improv because she likes to misbehave and act up. And, uh, and I would try to surprise her every time we'd start a scene. You know? <laughs> I would do some foolish thing. And Bob never made me feel embarrassed or that I'd made a fool of myself. And you never did either. Uh, there was something blessed about about uh, this movie. It it just kind no, of there was. was from the beginning. I mean, for one thing, I don't think that certainly when I wrote it or when I look when I brought it to you, obviously I hoped you'd do it. But um, I was <laughs> I remember uh, uh, when we were starting, I, I said to the guy who really nice guy who uh, gave the budget such as it was. Um, I said, we better do this now so I don't like get cold feet. Um, <laughs> but, but there wasn't any anticipation of what was gonna happen with it and there wasn't any feeling of trying to please anybody except for all of you, frankly. Uh, I mean, the audience is obviously very important but you have various audiences when you make something and for me it's so important as actors that you feel like you uh, got, to, got to do what you wanted to do uh, regardless well, of how kind, much time you we Well, you kind of pulled it. me in, really reeled me in just as he started revealing who he wanted for the roles. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and yeah, he yeah. got he got everybody that I that he revealed to me. Yeah, I don't know if that were they were beyond your first choice. I don't think so. No, it was it was really lucky. I mean, I think that um, uh, actors have a uh, no matter how much stuff they've done or how successful they are, they have a core of a reason that they wanted to do this in the first place. And if you can appeal to that, they'll generally do it. They don't give a damn um, if they're getting paid or not. I think years, I heard years ago someone say that 85% of directing is acting. So there's yeah. this piece of like casting the right people and trusting them. And I, did, I felt a tremendous amount of trust. It was a really cool playback set, right? Yeah. It was. I feel like the, for the most important thing to me when I'm working with a director is, is trust. Um, but I feel like that's like the most important thing in life in general is trust. So. You know, and you're respect. going, yes, trust and respect, <laughs> and you're going and you're working and you're gonna, you're around each other all day. So if you trust the director, you know, you really, because it's, you know, and the actor, and, you know, everyone in this film was a generous actor. Every actor was a very generous actor. So that's also really um, important, too. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Since you mentioned tattoos earlier, I wanted to know what tattoos would you guys all get if you did get tattoos? <laughs> well, I, I can tell you what I'd get. I, I saw a young, who was it that had this on her arm? Uh, her boyfriend, she was a young girl, and she said, and she had a like hand script. It looked like she'd almost written it herself, you know, and it was lowercase, and it was just, and she had written, on her arm was written, love you. And she said one night, they, she and her boyfriend were out doing, eating dinner or something, and he kind of wrote that on her arm, just as a little secret, and then she'd had it tattooed. And uh, I think that would be a good reason to get, get a tattoo. Mm. That's neat. I would, I, I'm not a tattoo person, but my acting coach, my current acting coach, Brad Calcaterra, has this thing where he sort of always talks about that, that um, image from the Sistine Chapel when, um, you know, the, the two sort of fingers are meeting. And he sort of talks about that all the time in relationship to sort of aligning with the universe's sort of plan for you artistically and these things when, when like the right role and the right actor meet and when like the right, when you meet the right person romantically and all of these things <laughs> but, but about really sort of trying to get, get out of your own way to align so that you can have these moments in your life. So I would probably get like two fingers doing that, like a tattoo of that, like maybe here or something, if I were a tattoo person. <laughs> Which of your tattoos would you retain? Uh, <laughs> oh, you have, you have not I don't know. I don't have. I'm not a tattoo person either. But <laughs> maybe um, it's hard because it's like, well, what would I get? It's there for the rest of your life. Um, maybe like a. But I feel like this is from the movie. I would get a little circle. I don't know. I feel like I, it, it's kind of like stupid, maybe. But I don't know. I'd get an anchor with mom written underneath it. <laughs> yeah, Maybe some I'm, rope around it. And like two birds, like little birds or something. I don't know. Well, thank you so much, Thank everyone. you guys so much. Have a thank wonderful you, Thank you. Thank you. We enjoyed it.